Well, we're going to continue in our series, This is Emmanuel, and, and we're ending our vision statement today. And so those of you who have been here the last two weeks, you know that our vision statement is Emmanuel, Assembly of God exists to awaken, revive, and redeem the city of Cleveland and its people. And so we are, uh, we are moving into and, and going to be finishing up our vision statement. And then next week, we're going to be starting in our values. We have four values. And so we're going to take a week per value uh, as we move forward. But we're finishing up our vision statement today. And we're going to be talking about redeem. What, what does that mean? We're going to talk about redemption. So the title of the message this morning is redeem. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 today. So the last two weeks, last week we talked about revival, and if we truly want revival in the church, that looks a little bit differently than sometimes we think it looks, and the first step towards revival is repentance, right? We talked about living a repentant life. And then the week before that, we talked about awakening, and we talked about what it means to awaken those who are not yet believers, and, and what that looks like, and how God has sent us, and not to just be a club, but, but to reach out to those who do not know the Lord. And this morning, we're going to be talking about redemption. We're going to be talking about what it means to live a redeemed life. And so if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. We'll be in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 19. Word of the Lord says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you are so good to us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Lord, that as you move in and through this place, Father, it would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me. And that you would receive all the glory and all of the honor as your word is declared. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So like I said, we have, we have this understanding that Emmanuel, we, we exist. The vision of Emmanuel, assembly of God, is to awaken, revive, and redeem the city of Cleveland and its people. We, we have to look at each one of those three words, and we have to define those words. We've already defined awaken, we've defined revive or revival, and now we're going to define redeem. And so redeem is the, the definition that I want us to use and that I want us to understand whenever we say awaken, revive, redeem. Redeem means to abundantly restore that which has been given up or taken. To abundantly restore that which has been given up or taken. I, I'm going to qualify, I qualified restore with abundantly. Because I think that some of us, we can say restore, and that's back to 100%, right? 
That when we, when we say that we revive or, or we restore something or, 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 and we, we take something that is old and broken and we restore it, we bring it to the way that it was originally created, right? Redeem, I think, takes it a step further. That instead of us just coming back to or, or being healed of the brokenness, we are now not just healed of the brokenness, but we are now being used as a tool of restoration, of redemption for other people that are broken. Amen. And so that's when we say abundantly restore. It's not just to 100%. You're now at 120. Does that make sense? And so that's what I want us to understand this morning is that the definition of redemption that we want to use, the definition of redeem that we want to use is that you're not just back to full, but you're overflowing. It's that overflowing restoration that when, when you come in contact with someone, your story helps to redeem them. That's what we, we want whenever we say that we exist to redeem the city of Cleveland and its people. And I think the best, one of the better, best stories is this passage that we just read, is the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is 100% this understanding of what it means to live a redeemed life. The story of Joseph is, is him physically living out a redeemed life and what that looks like. In this passage, his father Jacob has died. And all of his brothers have come to Joseph to seek mercy from Joseph. What had happened was that uh, Joseph had just so happened to come into being second in power of Egypt. And Israel needed help. An entire, really a nation and, and different clans and different people, a whole group of people needed help because there was a famine. And so they came to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food and saved them. And then they realized that it was their brother Joseph, and, and they came after Jacob died and, and came to seek mercy. The reason why they came to seek mercy was Joseph didn't just leave home and go, to, go be the second in command at Egypt. He didn't, like, you know, fill out an indeed kind of job listing and been like, oh, they need a second in command of Egypt. I guess I'm going there. This pays better. Like, that, that's not the way that it happened. What happened was his, his brothers were jealous of him. And, and granted, Joseph wasn't necessarily the best of people. Um, he kind of shoved it in their face that he was the favorite child. But his brothers were jealous of him. And so his brothers took him and threw him in a pit when he was younger. They planned on killing him. But one of the brothers says, no, let, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. And so the brothers sold him into slavery, and, and he was sold to uh, uh, slavers, and those slavers ended up selling them to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar, he was a servant in Potiphar's house, and he was such a good servant, and, and even, even the word of the Lord says that God blessed every single thing he put his hand to because he just he worshiped the Lord in doing that. And so as he was serving Potiphar, he got into some hot water with, uh, with uh, Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife uh, wanted, to, uh, wanted to do some things with Potiphar. And Potiphar said, no, that's not, going, uh, that's not something that honors my master whatsoever. And so I'm not going to do that. And so he, he left. He, it says that he ran away and he left his cloak there. 
And Potiphar's wife accused him of doing the very things that Potiphar's wife wanted to do with him in the first place. And because she was very mad, she, she went to her husband, who was his master, and, and ended up saying, you know, you need to throw him in jail. This is a bad thing. And so, they, so Potiphar ended up throwing Joseph in jail. Now, Joseph also, he has a, he has a gift of interpreting dreams. And so one day, Pharaoh had a dream, and, uh, and, and he ended up going. Pharaoh asked him to come and to interpret his dream. And so he came in and, and interpreted the dream. And really, he interpreted it as there's going to be a grand harvest, and then there's going to be a famine, and we have to make sure that we have enough food to feed a nation because this famine is coming. And so because of that, the Pharaoh pretty much made Joseph a Hebrew, not an Egyptian, made Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. And so he came to this position through brokenness and hardship every single place he went. All he did was honor God, right? He just honored God in in Potiphar's house. He honored God in the jail. He honored God through all of it, and yet he ended up in jail after Potiphar's house. And then for some reason, as he's honoring the Lord, it, it even says that the, the jailer, the, the warden, would, uh, would just kind of let him do his thing. Like he, they, the warden put him in charge of other prisoners because he, he just, anything he did would just grow and it was, it was good and he was a good worker. And he gave all the glory to the Lord. And then whenever this famine hit, Jacob and Joseph's brothers come to Joseph and Ask for, forgive, ask for help, and they don't even recognize Joseph at this time. And, uh, and Joseph finally ends up revealing himself to his brothers and to his father, and then his father dies. And they're afraid, his brothers are afraid that, well, Joseph gave a promise that he would take care of us because of our father, but now that our father is gone, he, we're, we're, we're dead, we're done for. And so they come and they plead and they beg to Joseph. And it even says that Joseph weeps because of what they're saying. And then Joseph's response is, is such an incredible response. It's, it's a response filled with mercy and maturity. Only, only one that is truly redeemed, that has gone through brokenness, understands brokenness, and has been redeemed through God would have this response. His response is, don't be afraid. He says, am I in the place of God? Meaning, am I the one to judge? Am I the one to take the place of of God in, in, in giving you what it is that you deserve? No, I'm not. And then he says this in verse 20, and I love this verse. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. It's such an interesting verse there. It's not just that Joseph is alive, but his life is now causing others to live. That his life, as he's living his life for the Lord, it's causing others to live. What, what his brothers meant to harm him. His brothers meant to break him. His brothers meant that he would die. They were hoping that they never see him again when they sold him into slavery. 
And because of all of that darkness and wickedness and hate and anger, because of all of that put on Joseph, Joseph was redeemed by God. God redeemed it for good. He intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And he says the saving of many lives. This is redemption. The redemption of God's people is not just that you'll be made whole, but that you'll be making others whole as well. So Joseph, he was living a redeemed life. See, a redeemed life is one that realizes greater things are done because of the past. I said because of, not in spite of. There's a difference. In spite of the past means that we overcame. Because of the past means that we took the past, overcame it, and now weaponized it. When God moves in our lives, our past becomes a weapon against darkness. Joseph was living a redeemed life. Joseph was living a life that, because of his past, he sees God moving and the inner workings of God all the way through that to come to the point of being second in command of Egypt, to come to the point of knowing that there's going to be a famine, to come to the point of saving many lives, not just Egyptians, but even his own lineage. Without all those bad things happening to Joseph, I'm not sure that Israel would be alive. I mean, God would make it work. But just imagine if if Joseph didn't go through that brokenness, what would have happened? And so my question for us this morning is, are you living a redeemed life? Are you living a redeemed life? See, as we move forward and we say that we exist to redeem the city of Cleveland and its people, in order for Emmanuel to work to redeem others, we must first be redeemed. We cannot lead anybody down a path that we have not been down before. It's as if we would sit there and say that, oh, it's okay, you can go ahead and pray, and then we've never prayed once in our lives. Or for us to sit there and say, just raise your hands in worship, and if I've never raised my hands, why in the world am I telling that person to raise their hands in worship? We can't be down a path. Redemption is such a beautiful thing that when we are redeemed, we sit back and we say, okay, God, how can you use my past to reach others? So are you living a redeemed life? Let me just kind of talk about what a redeemed life isn't for a moment. A redeemed life does not allow our present circumstances to define our future calling. What you're going through right now does not determine what God has planned for you in the future. All of the junk 
everything that's happened to you. We can sit there and we can hold on to it and say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. When God is simply asking you to be obedient. The 12 disciples, when they were called, they were fishermen, not theologians. And they shaped Christianity. They, they went out and preached. Your present circumstances don't define your future calling. A redeemed life does not allow our past hurts and shortcomings to keep us from being the light in the darkness. See, there, there's, there's something that will happen sometime in, our, in your walk with the Lord that says, I can't speak to this because I'm no good. I can't necessarily speak and encourage this person because if this person would only understand or only knew what I've gone through, what I've done, then they would shake their heads at me and leave. And brothers and sisters, can I, can I just say this to you? That that is 100% a lie of the enemy. Now that is something that the enemy wants to sit there and disqualify you because of what you've done. And because he wants to disqualify you of what you've done, he wants to shut you up. And that's what happens. See, if I was standing before you and, and we could go through the laundry list of every single thing that I've ever done... The reality is, if you looked at it through the lens of the world, you'd say, why in the world is this guy a pastor? The truth is, none of us deserve to be here. But we've been redeemed. See, this morning, my, my main point is God wants us he wants to take all the darkness that you've been through and he wants to redeem it. He wants to take all the brokenness that, that's ever happened and he wants to redeem it. He wants to take every single abuse that you've ever taken and he wants to redeem it. He wants to take your, your past addictions, even your present addictions, and he wants to redeem it. He wants to take your loss of, of family members. He wants to take your depression and your anxiety. He wants to take your pain and your hurt. He wants to take all of that and redeem it. And the question is, will you let him do that? I think it's so sad when believers think that their past is something to be ashamed of. And I'm not sitting here and saying like, rejoice in all the sin that you did. But what I'm saying is, I think it's, it breaks my heart to hear other believers being ashamed and keeping secret what has happened. Keeping secret what it is that they've done. And I'm not saying blurt it out and you know, let everybody know. But there's a, there's a time where we realize that God can weaponize all of that stuff to be light. 
don't, don't you think that what you went through can be used as a weapon against darkness? Don't you think that addiction that you had, God can redeem that and make it a weapon against darkness? Don't you think that abuse that you had, that you went through, God can't redeem that and weaponize it against darkness? That's what it means to be redeemed. You're not just fully restored, but your life is the light. Your life, your past has become a weapon now against the enemy. What the enemy meant, what you meant for evil, what the enemy meant to destroy you, God has used it, weaponized it, and turned it against him. And I want Emmanuel Assembly of God to walk in that power. I want us to walk in the power of redemption. For us to sit here and say that, you know what, that's who I once was, but let me tell you who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It breaks my heart to see believers walking around with the burden of their past on their backs. Well, this is what happened to me, so I'm just not good enough then. This person abandoned me, so everybody's going to abandon me. Even God, it's just a matter of time. And we wear it as this mark of shame on us. Instead of the weapon of a warfare. Some of us in this room... You've had horrible things happen to you. You've been broken. Things have been taken away that should not have been taken away. Horrible, evil things have happened to you. God wants to take that. Heal you of it. Redeem it. And sends you back as a light in the darkness, not as darkness into darkness. Tell you a story. Those of you know my my past, you know, you know, it's not as not as heavy as some of our pasts, but it's not as light as others. We all have our own story of how we came to Christ. You know that. You know, my dad was there, but he wasn't there. You know that he was an alcoholic. You know all those things. I remember, this was probably about three years ago now, we did some work in Parma Senior High School. We started a a Jesus Club, Parma Senior High School, and we had 50 or 60 students come after school. We'd serve them pizza and just give them the gospel every single week. And I remember I was sitting there and I was sharing my testimony and I said, you know, my dad was there, but he wasn't there. And I just felt like I wasn't loved at all. And and then it got into his alcoholism and it just really felt like, you know, I didn't really have a dad. And I just kind of talked and I said, you know, 
Jesus did something in my life. I, I gave it to the Lord and, and God did some incredible things in my heart that He redeemed that situation. That no longer was I sad that I didn't have an earthly father or necessarily an earthly father that, that added up or, or, or whatever that looked like was the standard of what I wanted an earthly father to be. But I, had a, I met a heavenly father that was so much greater. And I said that, and in in right after the, the talk that I gave, I saw this, there was this little eighth grade girl. Her name was Riley. And she just sat in a corner watching me and crying the whole time. And I went up to her and I said, hey, Riley, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? She's like, that's exactly what I've gone through. And that moment, I led Riley to the Lord. Amen. That's redemption. Not just have I been healed of this, have, has the weight been lifted off of me, but now it's been, it's been given back, not as a weight, but as, as a weapon against darkness. I could tell you other stories of just talking with students about what I've been through, what I've done. I remember at a camp when I was an intern, I, had, I just shared my testimony at, at, at camp when I was interning at the church I grew up in. And I just let them know, you know, I had, a, I had a porn addiction and I was going through all this stuff. And, and let me tell you, the Lord delivered me. And I shared my testimony on that side. And we had two boys come forward and say, hey, can I, can I see and can I know that power? Because I'm dealing with the same thing. You don't think... You don't think your past can be used to bring others to Christ? You don't think that what you've been through, the devil's like banging his head against the wall saying, why in the world did I ever do that? Because now it's redeemed. Why in the world did I ever attack in that way? Why in the world did I ever want that abuse to happen to that, that person? Because now it's being taken and used against the enemy. Amen. A redeemed life starts when we stop giving reasons why we aren't good enough. And start owning what God has done in us so he can work through us. A redeemed life starts when we stop giving reasons why we aren't good enough. And start owning what God has done in us so he can work through us. See, when we stand before the Lord one day. God isn't going to ask us for the laundry list of hardships that we went through. 
Instead, he's going to ask us what we did with what he redeemed. I don't just want to see a city healed. I want to see a city on a hill. I don't just want to see things restored. I want to see things reversed. You understand? We have been, unfortunately, the American church has become a place of a club where there is no redemption. Are you living a redeemed life? We're going to take communion here in a moment, but again, are you living that redeemed life? And then for some of us in here, you'd sit there and say, I was living the redeemed life, now I'm not. Or it just seems like I get, I get on the right track and then something happens and it just hits me off. I get on the right track and then a boy comes along or a girl comes along. I get on the right track and then something happens financially. It's like spiritual dieting sometimes, right? You get on a diet and you're like, I'm going good, you know, three weeks. And then, man, that cheesecake, though. <laughs> Spiritually, we do that sometimes. We have this cycle. You know, part of living a redeemed life is living a life outside of that cycle. Aren't you tired of that cycle? Truly, really, aren't you tired of like winning against depression and then two months later, oh, I'm depressed again? Aren't you tired of being so anxious you just can't talk to anybody? And then you start, you know, letting the Lord work for a little bit and then you're able to and then all, all of a sudden, I'm anxious again. Aren't you tired of doing really good and overcoming that addiction with the Lord's help and then all of a sudden something happens and you fall off the wagon? Oh, back to the alcohol. Back to drugs. Back to pornography. Aren't you tired of that cycle? There's redemption. You can break out of it. Maybe it's a cycle. Some of, some of us in here, we have a cycle of bitterness. We have a cycle of bitterness in this room. Some of you, you've chosen, okay, I'm going to belong. It's going to be great. And, and you're really happy. And then something happens. And oh my gosh, those Christians. That Pastor Galen, how dare he preach that sermon like that? I'm just preaching the word of God. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. But we've got this, some of us have a root, real root of bitterness that we need to say, God, just take it out of me. 
Some of us, man, we have a cycle of busyness. When Jesus just wants us to be redeemed and sit at his feet. I'm saying a lot of things. I understand that, but I I want us to be redeemed. I want each of you to experience the power of living in redemption. I want all of us in this place to experience the joy bringing somebody to the Lord that went through what we went through. When you put that in perspective, all of the bad things that happened to us are worth it. Why? Because of that one person who's now in eternity. Romans says that God works everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. All the bad things are even working for our good. Will you live a redeemed life? Will you, will you join us in being a community of redemption? Where we don't just see us being made whole, but we see because of us being made whole, God is moving through us to make others whole. And so we end, right? This vision statement. We want to awaken. We want to revive. And we want to redeem the city of Cleveland and its people to the glory of God. It's not, again, it's, this is not about this, this whole series, this whole vision of Emmanuel is not about having more Emmanuels. It's not about us building a bigger church. Building. It's not about us having the house packed out. It's about us moving and taking this city and taking this area for the Lord. So now, worship team, you could come up now. We're going to partake in a reflection of the ultimate redemption for our lives.